Welcome back, Boo Crew. We're your hosts, Bree and Katie. Each week on Baking with Boo's, two best friends get together to talk about a few of the things they love the most, food and the paranormal. From folklore to cryptids and even fang body parts, we cover all things to chill and thrill you. So grab a blanket and a snack as we share with you what we dug up. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 2 of Baking with Boo's. Bree, how are you? I am wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. Just fantastic. Fantastical, magical things. Yes. So we were thinking, like, what's going on in our lives to be able to tell you about. And I'm like, currently I've got nothing going on. So then I'm, like, looking ahead to see if there's anything positive happening, which, I mean, there always is. But, like, you know, is there anything noteworthy? And I have to tell you about the story because I haven't told you the story yet. Uh Oh, so, this coming Tuesday, I have been set up on a friend date by my brother. So, hold up. Um, why was this not cleared with... <laughs> with the management. With with me, your current best friend. I need no competition. I will smash <laughs> the competition. Because right now, we're in the sussing out period. And so, okay, backstory. About three weeks ago, my brother calls me while I'm at work because he was too excited and didn't remember I was at work. And my brother works for a cell phone company and he's the general manager of the store. And so one of his, he had a new customer. It's a um, family that moved to Ohio. Why would you would want to move to this uh Bumpkin City, I don't know. I will find that out. Don't you worry. Um, but moved moved into our town, and they needed new phones and so on and so forth. And he got talking with her, and she's about our age. Um, she has a couple kids. And uh, he said, he always calls me sister. So sister, she is very much your personality, and she has the same interest as you and she's a witch I'm like okay I'm half listening because you just never know when it comes to other witches you just you you just don't know so he said I I gave her your Instagram handle so that way you two can stalk each other in a non-committal sort of way and I'm like I enjoy how you embrace my introvert Yes. To allow this to happen. But anyway, her tag is witty. Uh-huh. I won't tell you it because privacy. But anywhoosin. So she and I got to talking because we, we sussed each other out and we're like, okay, you might be good people. I'm, I'm okay with meeting you in public. Yeah. Um, so we are going to a local coffee shop that is not my coffee shop right after I get off work. Hey. So, I'm excited. Um, she seems like a nice gal. We'll, we, will, we will see. Well, hope it's great. Hate your guts. <laughs> Katie is acting very much like a Lola situation. Like, I need all of, all of you. All the attention. All, all the attention. Please don't stop touching me. Ever. I mean... Hand must always be whoa, touching. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's be clear you and I are not intimate in that way. Mm-mm. So, Brie is not continuously touching me. 
If she was, I would be worried. <laughs> Just one hand on your thigh at all times. Totally platonic, but... She has separation anxiety. Yes. <laughs> I am thoroughly convinced that's what your dog has, too. Oh, for sure. I'm even considering putting Jack on medicine. Oh. Yeah, not Lola Jack. Really? Yeah, because he's just, he's, he is, like, hypermanic. Ah. Uh, he's like, I can't go out of the room with, and close the door without him whining. Oh, my lord. Yeah. Like, that... he's, it's like he's a puppy going through it. And it's so weird. I don't understand why. That sounds like Banks. Yeah. I'm not allowed to be alone. Yeah, pretty much. That's how it is with Jack. Ever. Lola sometimes she as much as she loves me she's even still like if she's tired good luck getting her fat chunky ass <laughs> up off the floor to like go in a different room with me or go outside or go to bed with her daddy yeah. she's not having it she doesn't want to get up so the red hip hop anonymous yes that one <laughs> well anyway I hope you have a great time I'm sure I'll get to hear how it goes yes cool so as for me, whoa, that was a chill breeze <laughs> came in. Um, as for me coming up, what is coming up? Um, tomorrow, my husband and I, oh, here's where our plans come in. Mm. And I asked for this a couple days ago because it just sounded so wonderful. I asked if we could just stay in, excuse me, hang out on the couch, order some sushi and right sushi and some dumplings and some lo mein and watch and this is where you're really gonna like and watch Howl's Moving Castle <gasps> because he's seen all of it I've seen some of it but not all of it and it just seemed very beautiful and pleasant my heart and so I'm gonna put my sushi socks on tomorrow I have a pair of sushi socks I love it and we're just going to hang out on the couch and watch that and nap and stuff for a little bit. And then I'm going to go over. My um, uncle is in from out of town visiting our other uncle who's currently in the hospital. Um, and so me and the one in town, we're going to get to see each other at my mom's house tomorrow, mm -hmm. visit for a little bit. And then I'm hanging out with one of our mutual friends on Sunday, and we're going to the crystal shop. Oh. Boom. Did you say that she got a horse? Norman. Did you say? I've heard about Norman. He's a fuzzy little guy. He is fuzzy. I've heard he's very sweet. I'm quite hesitant of horses because, <laughs> because in my experience, they're all assholes. I think we've told the bush story on here. Yes. I believe so. Yes. Yes. That sounds familiar. Yeah. We've talked about bush. Mm -hmm. um, in the bush. In the bush. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what's up. That's what I'm looking forward to. Okay. Now, do you have something? Oh no, not um, as I'm looking. I'm like really not. When this episode comes out, the only thing that has come up in my life is Miss Kismet. We have talked about my cat Kismet and the little sass pot that she is. She will be turning four. On May 4th. May the 4th be with her. Yeah. Bet you get to hear that every year, don't you? Yes, I do. That's fine. Poor, poor Kismet, because Binks acts just like a border collie on her. Like, 
only attention for you all the time. However, I'm going to chase you around the house and terrorize you. Even though there is nothing but fluff in there, but as soon as he sees Kismet, my god, my sole mission in life is to make your life hell. And it just amazes me that she hasn't handed him his ass yet. She'll do it with any other cat, but with him she won't. And she just makes a big fuss. Just keep the camera at ready, that way I can witness it. Alright, so I have the recipe this week. So, this week I made gluten-free cauliflower bread. I got this recipe off of uh, Tasty.co, if we all remember Tasty. It's been a while <laughs> since I've seen them around, but they have an app you can get on. Yeah. So, I got this from Tasty. Um, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's gluten-free, low-carb bread. Super, I think it's so fun to make, actually. Um, you just need some cooking spray, cauliflower, um, eggs separated, almond flour, um, optional is grated parm, grated Parmesan cheese, garlic, baking powder, melted butter, um, salt, Italian seasoning, sesame seed, parsley, which I omitted because I don't see what the point of parsley is, and rosemary. Did you know that I'm just not a fan of parsley? I, I think it adds nothing but color to a dish. I And that's literally it. I don't think it tastes good at all. It tastes like wet grass to me. Yeah, I half agree. Like, I think that it adds a little, but not a whole lot. Yeah. It's like a whisper. But more, it's for color. It's a garnish. Yeah, and I there are much more flavorful herbs that you can garnish things with. Yeah. than parsley, which is what I tend to do. Like, my big three are thyme, rosemary, and basil. I fucking love those uh, for my herbs. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I omitted the parsley. I did, however, have sesame seeds, so fucking yay. Um, I've made this bread once before, but it's been quite a few years ago. I definitely think it turned out a little bit different this time. In a good way or a bad way? Um, no comment. I don't know. It just looks a little different. It actually looks a little shorter. Like it didn't okay. rise yeah. as well. And I, I can't remember if this is the exact recipe that I used years ago or not. I think it's just the closest one I could find to what I used. So, but you had some. The only reason I didn't eat was because I'm full from eating previously. So what did you think of the bread? I liked it. Um, I I know that you said, like, the original recipe said that it should be eight pieces per loaf, and that would have been way too thick. Y yeah. Um, Five C's. Way too thick. Yeah. Five C's. <laughs> Double thicked up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I think a few years ago when I made it the first time, I cut them into, like, the slices it said, and I was like, this is off like I don't like it's moist for a bread yes but when you compare it to like condiments and meat it's dry as shit and so it's an odd an odd texture it's but yeah real dense yeah it's almost like um I think of like seeded loaves yeah that aren't necessarily bread like they're not um 
like not your traditional bread. Yeah. But like um, highly seeded loaves where like they're just going to be denser because they have so much shit in them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was nice and soft, like mm-hmm. almost like a white bread to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the flavor of it, but it was like more dense. Um, it was much more like a cake texture rather than like a bread mm-hmm. to give you a kind of a point of reference or maybe like a muffiny sort of texture. Yeah. And it's just, it's just the, it's just the anatomy yeah. of, of what you're making. Cause I've, like I said, I made this more or less recipe a few years ago and I've made, um, just a regular low carb gluten free mm-hmm. almond flour bread before. Yeah. And it's it's still just dense as fuck. I honestly think that the only way to not make it as dense is if you really like all the water is out of the cauliflower. Um, and I would even like as you, I'm sure you like make it into rice, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would. The only thing that I could think to do was like put it in the oven for a few minutes to really like get that moisture out of there. And personally, I, I know that like you need to eat low carb, but me personally, if you wanted like you as the listener making this, I would almost go for a gluten-free flour or like a regular flour because, um, almond flour, if you've ever used it, it's so dense, just so Mm -hmm. we're just going to be flat as a pancake. And I don't understand how people are able to get a rise out of anything with that flour. Yeah. In which I had considered that. I told you this. Mm. I considered using my gluten-free one-to-one flour, but I didn't know. I'm not so comfortable in baking, as we know. I'm more like the cook, not the baker. Yeah. So when it comes to baking, I'm so, um, I'm a little shy about taking liberties with, with the main parts of the recipe, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. And I did, I did that with the cauliflower. Like, uh, I put it in a microwave, microwave safe bowl for four minutes and steamed it. Excuse me. And then I put it into a cheesecloth in another bowl and let it cool off a little bit. And then I, yeah, wrung all the excess out. And so I think it would have been better had I not busted through that fucking cheesecloth. <laughs> Yeah. Busted a nut. An almond nut flour. I busted a nut in your bread. I'm gonna stop now. Okay, that's why it's so dense. Yeah, there's a nut in it. That that explains it. I everything. nutted in it. Uh-huh. Yeah. That eggy texture, I gotcha. <laughs> You're welcome. You're rude. <laughs> Straight in your ear holes, I love it. <laughs> so anyway. Taste is great, and then like like Bree said, if you want something that's maybe not quite as dense, um, again, making sure you get the excess moisture out of the cauliflower that I couldn't unfortunately get because that was my last bit of cheesecloth, and I don't have a good tea towel, um, and then maybe using a, a regular like one-to-one gluten-free yeah. flour instead of almond flour. Yeah, something with xanthan gum helps the rise a little bit better. Yeah. But if you're looking for something that's like, I don't know, simpler to make and like goes a little bit longer, I don't mind, you know, the, the denseness of it because I'll just take one slice of it 
and make like an open-faced sandwich without adding the other slice. It seems like it would toast really well like in the skillet. That's another thing too yeah. is that you can turn that easily into grilled cheese. Yeah. It's literally the same thing. Just fucking put some butter or some oil in a pan or on the bread and toast it like you normally would. I've seen plenty of people do that. So that's another option for sure. Yeah, that seems like it would be divine toasted and I almost thought about it as I was making the sandwiches. Mm-hmm. So... I might do that with some of the slices I have left. Yeah. So anyway, that was um, the recipe. And again, you'll be able to find that um, pictures uh, on our socials and links in our notes. Mm-hmm. So, Brie, would you like to go ahead with the story that you have? Quite sweetenly. Sweetenly. Let's do this shit. All right. So I have the story of the Scotchtown Plantation for you today. Give it to me. Alright, so Scotchtown Plantation is located 26 miles from Richmond, Virginia. It's 10,000 acres. Okay. It's very large. Quite big. So it was originally owned by Charles Chiswell, who was a Scottish immigrant. He wanted to build a Scotch castle on it, but he settled and built a huge barn like, like a big barn dominium house. In 1719. I don't know where the thought process went. That's just what we did. Man's was in the future. Yeah. So it was one story, 80 foot long, 40 foot wide. Okay. It had four rooms in the main floor, and then it did have a basement, so it had eight more rooms in the basement, and then had like one large loft. Okay. This is almost like Duggar style without any walls. Correct. <laughs> So, the estate boasted a school, workshops, and 30-plus cabins for all the people that they needed to be there, right? Right. Oh, okay. We'll get we'll get to that later. Don't you worry. It sounds awful. Yeah. I would hate to fucking live there. <laughs> <sighs> so, Charles died in 1737 and transferred the property to his son, Colonel John Chiswell, and he was a... Very grumpy man, very bad tempered. Uh, he was forced to sell the house later due to financial setback. Mm-hmm. Um, so John married his wife Elizabeth uh, Randolph in 1736, so a year before his dad passed. Mm-hmm. He had four kids Elizabeth in 1737, so same year that dad passed. Susanna in 1740, Mary in 1748, and Lucy in 1752. Lots of women's. The women's. The women's. He was elected Burgess in Hanover County in 1744 through 1755. Um, His wife died in 1776. Hey. Yeah. Sound familiar? It should. Sorry about your luck, sir. Yeah. So he operated an iron furnace and lead mines in Fredericksburg uh, when Virginia became um, in, like an independent state. The mines were operated by the state rather than privately owned. Mm-hmm. That was so significant that they were, like the mines themselves, were so significant that they were involved in the Treaty of Hard Labor and the Treaty of Fort Stanwix in 1768 with Great Britain and the Native Americans. So, this was a big fucking deal. 
Jesus. Listen to my pages. So loudly. Welcome back to Baking with Booze. Well, ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, like I said, he had a temper and there was a scandal. Ooh. A moida scandal. Moida. Moida. So, June 3rd, 1766, John got into an argument with Robert Routledge, or Rutledge, it's R-O-U-T-Ledge. I think it's Rutledge. Yeah. He was also a Scotsman, Uh, he was a merchant, and they were at Mosby Tavern when this happened. It's uh, very controversial. But anyway... Uh, John was a loyalist, which meant that he sided with Great Britain before we became an independent nation, and called Rutledge a fugitive rebel, a villain who came to Virginia to cheat and defraud men of their property. <laughs> oh my. There was obviously drinking involved. Of course. The, the year, the men, and the bar. Naturally. The drinking was involved. So John attacked Rutledge with a candlestick, then called for his sword and demanded that Robert leave the room. (laughs) Robert refused. I mean, I would too. You're waving a candlestick around at me. And John stabbed him in the heart with his sword. That zero to 60. Yep. John was sent to prison, but he got out on a 20,000 euro bail, which was unheard of at the time. Bail was not heard of at the time. Huh. Um, so he went home, and there was an outcry of favoritism uh, because he was buddy buddies with the judicial system. And this is where this fucking started, my friends. Mm-hmm. Soapbox gone. Anyway, so there. <sighs> Something happened um, on October 14th, 1766. They're not sure if it's Future place, trigger warning, we are talking about unaliving of oneself. Sewer sliding. Sewer sliding. Please skip 15 seconds. Suicide? So anyway, uh, they're not sure if it was that or um, there was also talk of the physician saying that he, here we go, the coroner stated that he had attack of nerves, which will be important later, um, and that's why he died. Uh, Attack of nerves, as I was Googling about, uh, could have been anything to do with like um, psychosis or a heart problem or a uh, seizure, something like that. Okay. But either way, his body was found on the floor in his home on October 15th. He couldn't be buried at the church because of the potential sewer slide. Mm-hmm. So he had to be buried on Scotchtown. Well, at this point, he had lost Scotchtown due to financial problems that his um, his son-in-law uh, also contributed to. So it was a whole situation. But Rutledge 
the guy who he killed, mm-hmm. his whole family was waiting to check on the casket because they were thinking that he was going to evade justice because he was supposed to be hanged. They were thinking that he was evading justice by saying, yep, he died, then they were going to let him out of the casket before they buried it, which, fair, considering that he got bail and that was unheard of at the time. Mm-hmm. But he was, in fact, deceased. Um, so he is buried in an unmarked grave somewhere on the property. Okay. Love it. So enter new owner Patrick Henry, if you don't know who that is. That is Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death Guy. Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death Guy. Yep. That's how we know him. Or how I know him, anyway. I barely remember the name. Thanks, history class. You did a lot for me. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, he bought the house in 1771. He bought it for $18,000. Holy fuck inflation, my friends. I wish. 10,000 acres and a big-ass barn house. Any who's in. Wow. So he moved in with wife Sarah, six children, six spawns. Crosscut ones. He wanted it to be, like, he when he came to the property, he's like, this is the idyllic home. And that's what he was thinking, a place for my wife and my kids and, and the people who I have not really employed, but going to pretend like that doesn't exist. And he was very wrong. So Sarah had their sixth kit in the same year that they moved in, so 1771. And after that, she descended into, quote, mental illness. Probably postpartum depression. Um... And compounded in the worst way by fucking six. Because women's health. <laughs> Any who's it. So the exact diagnosis was unknown. Again, women's health. We didn't really look into that shit. It was... Who cares? Yeah. So Patrick was actually gone a lot. And that's uh, probably why we had mental illness. Um, taking care of six children on my owns. So Patrick was gone all the time due to political things. Um, And Sarah got to a point where she was a danger to herself. So he was looking to put her in a mental hospital, thinking maybe they would be able to help her. But the mental hospitals that were in the area, he was appalled by how bad they were. And there is a saving grace there, because I appreciate that he cared enough. Yeah, right? I'm like, oh, this is a twist. Yeah. Uh, hold on to that hope. But oh. anywho, then. Um, so Sarah, unfortunately, had to be physically restrained in a straitjacket-type dress, because she tried to harm herself a lot. Um, again, I don't know what her diagnosis was, how bad this was. It's just known that she was self-harming. Um, So they were doing the best that they could to make sure she didn't do that. She was confined, not like Shaney type confined, um, but she was confined to two rooms in the basement. There were secret stairs at the back hallway to go down to her rooms. Um, She did have one of the servants there for company, but as time went on, the servants did not want to be anywhere near that house because of how bad she was 
Um, I can't say as I blame them, but her husband tried to help as best as he thought he could at the time. Mm-hmm. He did what he could with what the knowledge they had then. Yeah. So the condition was kept secret because Patrick feared gossip saying that she was possessed. But if I was thinking, if your wife shows up nowhere, because everybody went to church at this time, right? So if your wife shows up fucking nowhere, they're going to gossip. So, again, good thought process, wrong execution. Yeah. Uh, So the servants and slaves and workers wouldn't go anywhere near the house after her condition got worse. Sarah died in 1775, so four years of this affliction. And is buried on the property in an unmarked grave, which was standard for, like, afflicted people. So she couldn't be put in a graveyard, um, like, buried with her husband, which is so stupid. Oh. But because they didn't know what she was afflicted with, it might taint the other dead people, correct? Oh, yeah, because that matters. Anywho. So shortly after Sarah's death is when he made his famous speech, give me liberty or give me death. Patrick sold the property in 1777, so only two years later, when he became governor of Virginia and moved into the governor's mansion in Williamsburg. The house deteriorated and eventually was abandoned to squatters. It was purchased by the Association for the Preservation of Virginia Antiquities, and has been restored since. Hmm. Now the good part. The hauntings. Okay. So ghostly happenings have been reported in the main house starting at the restoration. Of as course. we fucking figured. Yeah. Though I might argue there could have been activity before and I actually did find some accounts from squatters. Um, but yeah, I did end up finding some squatters accounts. So, so we'll get to that. At the time when I was writing these notes, I hadn't yet. Oh, yep, there it is. So Mary Adams in 1933 to 1940, like that she lived at the house. Um, as a child saw ghost children and a ghost woman in a white gown. It's always white. And she appeared in front of their family and dis a fucking appeared in front of their family. Nice see me. I know. Yeah, like she just waltzed in the room and then just, oh, shit, bye. That's like the best, most epic entrance and exit. <laughs> I have arrived. I am leaving. <laughs> A feck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Patrick Henry's great-great-granddaughter says that the house is haunted and she refuses to stay overnight there. Which, good on you, my friend. People walking... Oh, people walking by, like, outside. Mm -hmm. Have seen lit candles in the window when no one is there. Or, like, a person holding a lit candle in the window. No, thanks. Motion alarms will go off for absolutely no reason. There is a painting that the eyes will follow you. It's uh, the painting of Joseph Shelton. Furniture gets moved, mostly, most especially the Henry Cradle, which would have been Sarah's Cradle. And uh, I believe it was downstairs. Yes, kept in the basement. A tea caddy and pot, which was also the Henry's, and a candle from the Henry's time. Uh, stuff was reported, like, when 
it was reported moved, it was when the house was empty and locked. Mm. So, Sarah's rooms uh, are the most haunted. Paint will not stick to these walls. That's gross. Yeah. (sighs) Sensations of an invisible presence are felt. An entire tour group heard screaming in the basement. So you can't even fucking fake that shit. Like, that's at least ten to a dozen people that are like, yup. For sure haunted. We all heard it. The attic hosts the sounds of chains dragging on the floor, walking, swarms of flies and wasps are in one window of the loft. No. Blip. Visitors have seen Sarah heading to the building that was the servants' quarters. Okay. Ugh. Which is also extra ugh because, like, they were trying to stay away from the house. Uh, the staff giving tours have reported the basement door feels like someone is holding the door closed from the inside. Oh. Like, they'll go to give tours in the basement and they cannot fucking open the door because somebody's making sure that they can't. Maybe somebody's changed in there. <laughs> um, it also makes me wonder if like there's more going on because of the way that Colonel John Chiswell died in nervous fits, and then Sarah suddenly has violent mental illness. Like she didn't beforehand that was ever mentioned, and like I said, she might have had like postpartum depression. That's very possible. But just the fact that it went from zero to fucking sixty. Yeah, there was like a derangement a sickness about that place yeah um especially with like you know john's account and then like the fucking flies and the fucking wasps i would say sir that your wife is possessed or some something is setting her (sighs) off so you can actually visit this house oh goody let's get on that yeah uh self-guided tours like it's on your cell phone also Extremely good when ghosts are around because, you know, they just suck the battery life out of that shit. Mm-hmm. But self-guided tours on your cell phone are all year long. Uh, masks are required currently, just so you know. Um, it's $10 for um, everyone over the age of six. There is a senior discount. I didn't look at that very far. I'm so sorry. Uh, children under six are free. Uh, if you want to have a guided tour... They offer guided exterior tours, which are 45 minutes, and interior guided tours, which are also 45 minutes. You have to call for availability, though. They have to draw the short straw to figure out which one of them is going to take you inside this house. You're being serious? No, I'm not. (laughs) Okay. I'm like, oh, shit, man, I'd get a different job. Yeah. Uh, Last but not least, I wanted to honor the enslaved person's that we know of that were in this home. Uh, they are Dinah, who is listed as a skilled person. Uh, we don't know exactly what she did, but we do know that um, more tax was paid on her and that she um, was in the home. Um, so she had some sort of like skill set. Beck, Jenny, Ben, who in one of the letters that they did find, um, he it mentions him serving at the table. So I don't know if he was kitchen staff, if he um, like what his position was, but we know that we, he served at the table. Uh, Dick, another guy named Ben, Isaac, 
Pedro, who was a groom, um, which means that he worked with the horses. Will and Tom. Preservation Virginia is actively looking for descendants of these people that, that worked in this home, that were enslaved in this home. Um, they're actively looking for oral history, for written history, anything that they can find because they are actively looking to honor these people. So if you happen to know anybody or if you are a descendant, please reach out to them. Um, they're uh, the website for the Scotchtown Plantation. There is links to be able to uh, submit things or get in contact with them. Um, but they have on their front page, like, um, that's where I got all these names from. Mm -hmm. So they are actively trying to honor these people. Good. It would be nice if some of the descendants got paid restitution. Yes. I wouldn't, I would not be surprised. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. I will leave links in the show notes for you, um, for where I got my stories, for how you can go on guided tours or self-guided tours. Um, and the link to be able to contact um, so that way they have more history on the enslaved persons that worked here. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your story. You are welcome. Very nice. So uh, just as a reminder, um, I believe this, we said this in the first episode, um, you can go to um, our Facebook page and there will be a link uh, pinned to the top of the page that uh, is going to help aid uh, Ukraine in sending food to the people that need it right now. Yes, it will be through World Central Kitchen. It's a organization, nonprofit organization that helps bring food and hot meals to those in crisis and right now that's the Ukraine. Yes. So um, if you have the ability to donate, even just a dollar, that'd be great. Uh, if you don't have that, that's perfectly fine, understandable. Not everybody does. We understand. Uh, if you could even share the post, that would be great. Mm -hmm. uh, but just a reminder that it's on there for uh, anybody who wants to help out in any way that they can. Yes. Of course, there's only so much that we can do from where we are and, you know, however we may be financially limited. Yes. Um, so that's just one of many options mm -hmm. um, spotlighted to specifically um, help those in need over there right now. Yes. Um, for anything else, you can uh, find us on all of the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and TikTok at Baking with Booze. And you can send in listener stories or recipes to baking underscore with underscore booze at yahoo.com. Uh, other than that, we hope you enjoyed this episode. You have a fantastic week ahead, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.